Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 14 of Fabe Council, show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me is TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Crack is 90, as per. It is Saturday, and we have more wrestling to talk about this week. Has, um, has not disappointed? I'm, yeah. I'm in, in, in good spirits with how, uh, with how much drama there's been, but also with how much good wrestling there's been. Yeah, this past week was really on point across all the boards. Uh, obviously, WWE, the Fed, we had some good AEW stuff. New Japan, G1's final was this past week. So, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, like there was, a, there was a lot of good stuff to watch, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it was not but a few episodes ago we were talking about AW's Forbidden Door, you know, with NJT, NJPW, and I was saying, oh, I'm going to catch a little bit more, you know, NJPW, and the G1 was right around the corner, and I've watched it all, and honestly, I kind of only want to watch NJPW for a while, because uh, I don't know, it just seems like uh, they 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 do it better. Like they do a lot of things better, and who would have thought that cutting out all the BS promos, um, and all the silly stuff in between, and just let your talent have some fantastic matches would have been a good thing. Well, I mean, yeah. one person at least in WWE has figured that one out. New Japan for sure has a different style of presentation. It's more kind of sports orientated, more mm-hmm. along the lines of a kind of a a look towards that realm like think boxing think mma think like you know baseball sport like just sports in general things of the such and they oh, yeah. tend yeah they tend to have that sort of professionalized kind of vibe to it as opposed to the western genres were more akin to wwe for example where they'll throw in some things like promos and kind of backstage and like more kind of storyline things so even though you get that with NJPW, it does. It's presented different. It has different feel and different vibes. So yeah, it's a it's a nice little change. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, has been uh, has been more welcome change. Whenever there was still the end of that uh, VKM era, um, and then you know just the sort of milling about that TK has in his uh, in his current AEW uh roster issues match issues my hatred of some of the uh the storylines if you want to call them that well documented um mostly about how their champions are presented but then again you know nobody is immune to that um whereas you know it just it just seems that some one company is on the on an uptrend uh one company is sort of on a slowed slow downward into an upward trend and one is just i don't know in a completely different league from the other ones and i'll let you all figure out which one's which yeah it's one of those things where they're going to be ebbs and flows like any other business and any other sports and things of such like a television show or season and in any particular sport they're going to be sessions of kind of strong and kind of fun and we're doing well and there's going to be some lulls and with that so highs and lows just like in life but we are at least we have some bit of variety that we can help fill the gaps depending on what you like and what you're into yep 
And one last thing here, we do appreciate, again, folks checking us out on YouTube, downloading the podcast on various platforms, things and such. Thank you guys so much for, again, checking us out and giving us a listen and a watch. Thank you so much. Definitely appreciate the comments as well, and the likes and, you know, everything. As long as we're putting out stuff that you enjoy, that's uh, it's definitely makes us happy as well. For sure. And as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at CM Punk. That's a scathing promo to open AEW Dynamite. And we see the return of the cleaner and the Omega. But coming up first, CM Punk. That's a Heck of a scathing promo to open AW Dynamite. So as the show starts, they do the pyro gimmick and get everything sorted. And then the first person out the gate, old Charles Montgomery Punk, comes out. Grabs a mic and we're getting down to business. So we start off here with saying, uh, Punk says he doesn't have the prettiest smile, but he has the prettiest belt. Punk says he wants to issue a challenge. He calls out, Hangman. Adam Page for a match right here, right now. Page doesn't appear, and he says that isn't cowboy-ish, that's coward-ish. He says an apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. So, hot dang, coming out the gate, hot. And just calling, uh, we're taking out the, uh, the old Smith and Wessons and just going, shooting cowboy. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not one to toot my own horn. But I'm gonna to toot it. Toot toot. You know, I'm gonna to have to toot toot because if you if you watched the show last week, you know my major complaint about the presentation of Punk was why doesn't he have a mic? Why can't he do this sort of thing? Why doesn't he have his big pretty belt? We even have the short on the YouTube channel if you want to go and see that. Definitely check that out because I make no bones about it. Definitely is. It's it's it's. Just one of those things that you look at it and go, hmm, I wonder what the strength of this guy, who we all talk about having a great mouth, uh, uh, you know, he can speak, you know, he can, he can get under the skin of people, you know, this, that, and the other. wonder what we should do. We'll have him walk out and be completely silent. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Oh, wait. I mean, like, he comes out, and if you would believe it, he goes off script. <laughs> Uh, you know, according to some sources, by calling out Hangman Adam Page. Now, before anybody goes, oh, but they don't, they don't script their their promos. That's not what off script means in this case. Off script means no one knew he was going to say that. They have potential beats that they will want to hit, because if they don't know, then you know nobody's going to sign off on you having that microphone, because maybe you'll do an MJF. Hmm. And then, you know, something weird will happen. But, like, getting, you know, thrown off TV for six months and everybody forgetting about you. But in this regard, he went off script and started, you know, calling out somebody who wasn't prepared for him to be called out. I, I get it. Cool. Good job. But what was the point in it? Yeah, it's interesting to note that, obviously, the current situation based off last week's Dynamite was the confrontation with uh, Punk and Moxley. So to him to open, and the first thing basically he addresses is Hangman Adam Page, 
It's one of those kind of scratch your head moments and kind of makes you think. There's reports coming out that, again, this was sort of not part of the uh, planned segment. Obviously, it was to confront um, John Moxley for sure. So it was one of those kind of like, hey, what's kind of going on? This is sort of, uh, huh? So, yeah. Um, there are reports, again, that he kind of used this as a receipt of source or kind of a little payback to comment on some comments that Hangman had made in a promo earlier in the year so apparently the reports are punked and take too kindly to those uh, comments made by hangman and this was sort of i guess just decided now and then to take a, a again a receipt or a return to a response to hangman at this moment that's to me that is like having an argument with somebody losing the argument going away for six weeks coming up with a valid response to that argument and then saying it to that person's face and them looking at you going i have no idea what you're on about that was ages ago like this was so out of touch it was so stupid and if this was a receipt that kid needs to check his warranty because that was so invalid there mr brooks like, there was no reason for you to pick up that microphone and address someone who had no idea what you were talking about because we all looked at you going, are you sure it was your foot that was broken? Did you get dropped on your head? Perhaps, I don't know. Like, again, it seemed weird. The crowd appeared generally not to, I guess, sort of expect him to bring up Hangman. They were confused as well. They were in sort of Hangman's neck of the woods of uh, West Virginia. So although he got a kind of big pop when he mentioned his name again, when he just didn't kind of come out or type of thing. So it was, it seemed at least in the notion of the crowd response, kind of a confusing sort of, you bring up this person's name, kind of let down, and then we kind of switch gears, which we'll get to in a second. So it's again, um, very head scratching to say the least. Yeah, it was definitely not as uh, definitely not a promo that I was like, oh yeah, makes hundred percent sense. It was just me kind of going, eh. yeah. As we switch gears here, we see Punk uh, come back on the mic and he says, uh, "Every everyone wants to be champion until it's time to do champ ish," and he understands that John Moxley has a lot of fans, and he can be number one in people's hearts, but he isn't in in the ring as Punk's the. AEW champion. Punk says he has lost big over the years, but Moxley has always been number two, as someone has always had his number. Punk says he is the third best guy in his own group, which is a recurring theme in his career. So another one has these stinging barbs as he switches gears towards John Moxley. Yeah, kind of obviously uh, nobody nobody missing the reference here. A reference to the Shield, of course, uh, where in an awful lot of people's eyes, he was the third best member of that group as well. Um, for me, probably, you know, that kind of missed the mark because I really, really liked him in the Shield. Uh, you know, maybe he was probably number one for me because, you know, he had charisma, he had the chops, and he wasn't the little whipping boy. Uh, so, you know, Dean Ambrose, uh, as he was in, in the Fed, uh, Mr. John Moxley was definitely my top guy of the shield, but, uh, it was, it was nice. It was, it was topical. It was funny. 
Um, and it was something that we came to expect uh, out of the punk out of the punk promos. Um, he's going after the people he should be going after. Like this, this is how the promo should have started. Uh, not with the other piece because that was completely irrelevant. And this is legitimately what I had in mind when Punk was to come out and attack John uh, last the, the the previous week. Rather, um, this is what he should be saying, you know, to him. Now that we got the train back on the track, as we focusing on the now follow up again from last week where Punk confronted John and they had a little standoff. Now, yeah, he's getting into addressing John properly here. And nice, nice little reference again for the fans of him referring to the Shield era thing. What are your thoughts on guys in their current situation referencing other storylines or other character beats from other companies? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um I like it because it sh- if it's relevant, if it's a completely relevant point to what they're trying to make like, you know, you're the third best person in your group. Uh, you know, you always have been your number two, things like this here. Um, I like it. I think that it's it's really good. It shows the 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 people who are cutting the promos or the people who are writing the promos in some people's case, uh pay attention to the product um and want to reference other points that this person um this person has maybe been in because we've all seen or I, I assume we've all seen the Avengers, you know, with Captain America and I understood that reference. We are all Captain America at some point in uh in wrestling. I understood that reference. Whenever somebody does a little nod to for example, whenever Ray Phoenix does the three amigos or, you know, he he give, he gives the the, the shoulder shimmy for uh, for Eddie Guerrero. You know, we all pop big because we're like, oh, I understood those references. It's the same with story beats. If you put them in, I will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sucked. Don't do that again. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, I remember that. And I, I'm going to pay more attention for more of these little nuggets of, uh, of, of a story that you're going to be putting out for me. I'm along the same lines as you. If it's in context or if it makes sense in sort of the narrative you're trying to weave, I'm like, I'm good with it. As opposed to like just tying, taking a like cheap, cheap hit or a cheap shot at something like that. I always think of the, in WCW, Bischoff just kind of making a comment towards Lex Luger. It's like, oh, the, the bus, the bus crashed or type of thing, referencing Luger's time in WWF when he did the Lex Express type of thing. So, but at least wrong with the Lex Express boys and girls. Hey, there you go. But at least in here, like we, now we think it of as the person, right? Uh, Jonathan good, who has portrayed John Moxley and previously Dean Ambrose, like is sort of as one continuous character in a sense, like he's maybe like, He's played a role in one thing and now he's playing a role here type of thing, but it's all sort of him as the the person. And I'm kind of kind of okay because it's sort of uh, punk they've had sort of history in kind of both places and type of thing and they've interacted before. So I'm I'm okay with it in the context of kind of navigating the uh, the story for that. So okay, cool. Yeah. No, there was there was something I think that. Uh... I can't remember if it was an interview and I'm maybe bleeding the two together, but I think Punk a while ago, whenever he was doing uh 
uh, his rivalry with uh, with Hangman. Hangman's like, I'm defending AW from you. He Punk made mention of his um, of his time with Raven, I believe, where he basically uh, played up uh, the alcoholism um, for somebody who he was. I can't remember if it was Raven or not, but whoever it was, he essentially poured beer down their throat. Like, because he was trying to, you know, he was making fun of them and being, you know, being an alcoholic and him obviously being a straight edge and he was healing stuff like this here. Um, and, you know, I'm surprised that he's not making reference to that with John Moxley having recently now obviously it is it's a very touchy subject for some people uh alcoholism is a very real illness and john moxley has sought help got help and is much better now and we're all happy for it um but it just seemed to me that punk doesn't shy away from picking the low-hanging fruit um and so i am waiting with bated breath to see whether or not he picks at that and at that point, that's when I'm like previous story beats and stuff from real life might be a little bit too on the nose to bring in to, uh, to this sort of situation. Yeah, it's always tough when you talk about sort of real life things that are very sensitive subjects to folks, as you mentioned, for sure. As a sidebar, potentially in, in the reference to that, Punk worked with raven in early ring of honor for sure so potentially that i know there was the angle with punk and jericho where jericho like smashed the bottle or poured whatever that stuff was mm. on him and then possibly the punk and jeff hardy uh, interactions uh yeah. all of all of it which was... it's like punk's like i'm straight edge and you guys do stuff so yeah it was definitely it was like an interview or it was interaction with somebody it, it all it's all bleeding together because there's a lot of uh punk stuff uh surrounding the alcoholism and stuff and him obviously being straight edge um but i just remember in the back of my head that he made mention of this um and then obviously with the very public issues that uh, john moxie had with him being away for a while um personally i find it in poor taste uh if he was to go back down that route i didn't like the uh the sheamus angle with jeff hardy i didn't like any angle with alcoholism uh because uh it's just one of those things that you look at it and go like that person's like seeking help like why are we making a really big deal about this person's real life pain like let that person seek help do not Unless that person said this is fine, then you know, okay, cool. But I don't think that that's something I want to see. Just as a, as a, as another, you know, as an aside to anything else going forward, like just let them, let them have their help, let them have their safe place, and uh, let them do their job without being reminded, like, well, you, you got really drunk, and you know, you have a crappy life, this, that, and the other. And like, no, 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 they got their help. Leave that out of the stories. It's a challenging thing, and I think it's twofold. In entertainment, when we think of like the sort of post-90s now, sort of shock jock, crash TV thing, where we're looking for eccentric or, or extreme sort of shock values, and when you bring up really heavy subjects like that, sometimes people are a little bit more inclined to get engaged and think, whether this is going to be intense or this is going to be sort of a, uh, a kind of scary moment of things like whatever they're sort of looking for, 
sometimes people might be a little mm. bit more interested. But then also now, if we cut to now 2022, the whole piece of sort of being outlandish and trying to get attention, and oftentimes the more sort of outlandish or the more sometimes controversial your subjects are, the more unofficial views and watches and likes and retweets and things of such that you get. So it's a very thin and daunting line to sort of cross. Yeah, clickbait for sure. To try to sort of quote unquote get fame in on something sort of controversial. So it's tough. Mm. But switching gears here, we have Punk says uh, he's the only person has actually broken bones the past six months is him and he actually and he asked the fans to tell him when he's telling lies he points out that john moxley is the interim champion which means temporary he's willing to test himself against moxley he also claims that eddie kingston excuse me is the third best eddie he shared a ring with and the second best kingston he's shared a locker room with so this was another interesting twist as well like We'd sort of got the train back on the rails again with the sort of story and the follow-up with John Moxley. And here's the another curveball. We had the earlier one with Hangman Adam Page. And then just throwing Eddie in here. So I was again sort of a little confused about that. Or I think the crowd had a little like, all right, we're on the John Moxley train, we're on the John Moxley train. Eddie, like, whoa, like, um, okay, that was a dig, but like kind of interesting. You mentioned him. Yeah, um, stop trying to take pops at the biggest baby faces in the roster, my guy. Like, you can't do that. Like, you legitimately cannot do this. This, it was funny, okay? It was really funny. Don't get me wrong. Third best daddy, I was like, okay. The second best Kingston, I was like, okay. What do we do? Like, legitimately, I was waiting for Eddie's music to hit, and then, you know, I, I checked Twitter afterwards, and he's like, oh, now the exp- insert expletive here says something when I'm not there, and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, Eddie wasn't there, Eddie didn't wasn't allowed to get involved, so Punk was pretty safe. Okay, cool, that leads an awful lot of uh, stuff open, like, why would you take aim at one person and shoot someone completely different like why would you try and poke multiple bears all like i don't know what's going on through it through uh, phil brooks mind i don't know what's going through his mind traditionally have shown that punks his promos are very sort of on rails. They're not scatterbrained by any sense of the imagination. He'll he'll mention things that still galvanize the point he's trying to got to drive home. But these pieces about Hangman, these pieces about Eddie, understanding that I guess the connection was he's wouldn't face like his friends, his friends in his group, ergo. Uh, Brian Danielson, perhaps Claudio, his friend Eddie, he wouldn't challenge him himself, John Moxley, against those guys, for example, which I guess is the is the piece to kind of bring up Eddie, perhaps. I guess that was the the sort of connection that he made. But then 
again, random pop shot at Eddie. Like I know, again, based on their earlier feud in the year, they were always on the best of terms and they had shared some barbs on the promos with each other. But again, interesting to just throw a, throw a pot shot at Eddie as opposed again, cause the storyline is with Mox. So very interesting. Yeah. As much as he wanted to try and add on to this point that he was trying to make with Moxley about Moxley, not being the best in his group, the minute, and then guilty by association, Eddie Kingston, um, you know, I, I don't see the outcome being favorable for Punk because regardless to who he is, I, he, he left uh he left wrestling in 2005, he said, and he returned in you know 2021. Uh, but it's been seven years since he, he left the, the WWE, whatever it was. Um there have been new stars made. Eddie Kingston in these last few years with his promos and his ability to sell and his selling for absolutely everyone and his just no-nonsense straight-in-your-face, like, does Eddie know it's, you know, does Eddie know it's supposed to be scripted kind of thing? Um, Everybody just loves Eddie Kingston, and I am I am 100% behind the Eddie Kingston train, like, I love that guy. I think he's great. Um, and I could, I could really just see Punk, you know, going away and picking on somebody else because he's not going to win that fight. Like, in my opinion, he shouldn't win that fight. Regardless of anything, Eddie Kingston is not the one that you're currently in a in a uh, feud with. So why bring one of the most volatile aspects of AEW up at all? Very interesting, again, to say the least. So we circle back to the promo here. Punk plans to test his best and all out against John Moxley. And he won't be the first John that he has beaten in Chicago for a championship belt. And he's not number one in the category either. Moxley then appears from the crowd, gets into the ring, and he tells people to look out as he's drop Punk's dropping bombs that his body can't cash. Moxley then claims Punk isn't even the best wrestler in catering. And the words he spits doesn't mean ish, and neither does the belt on his shoulder. And he says the same about his own belt as he proceed as until he beats Punk and then throws it down. So we have John finally come out here and retort and get some words in here. So I'm glad that they were able to give John to come out here and actually have a have a face-to-face confrontation and be allowed to again have some words with punk as opposed to it being a punk only promo so i'm at least appreciative for that yeah hey look this is this is playing out almost exactly like i said it should have played out the week before like why would you have someone who has the verbal skills like punk come out and be absolutely silent, hop around the ring, go, look, my foot's all better. And then, you know, not give him the time of day on, on a mic. Um, it would have made more sense for Punk to get his licks in on the mic against a weakened John Moxley who has no uh, energy after a long drawn out battle with the Lionheart. So then it would be on John Moxley to retaliate. Now, 
you have given John Marksley so much ammo because he is legitimately using the stuff that Punk said against him. Look, he's, he's dropping pipe bombs, his body can't cash. He is synonymous with pipe bombs. Like, no, he, he just he just likes to, to cut scathing promos. Like, I don't really consider them pipe bombs myself. I never really considered the first pipe bomb a pipe bomb, but that's just me. Anyway, uh, and then, you know, you, you have him saying all this other stuff. It's like, it's just echoing about um, the things that he, he had said. It's, 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 it's call and response. And it, it doesn't take an expert to deal with that, but John has the comedic timing. He has such quick wit and ability that he doesn't have to be the one instigating it because he can play off what Punk says. And unfortunately, it takes away from Punk because you're giving John the, the, the big shine here by having him say all this amazing stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, Punk's promo was really good, but in my opinion, John came out the better for this, because at least he was direct and to the point and only talked about Punk! Again, goes back to the point that I reiterate that the purpose of a promo is to sell and put butts in the seats, and also to put your opponent over as a threat and as a challenge, so that, ergo... You then look better, it's built up, you have a challenge, it's a fight, you have a credible person that you're going against, things of that nature. So the idea of a promo when you're just constantly putting somebody down where it's only you're looking good and someone else looks bad, that's then kind of what's the point and you're just kind of tooting your own horn and type of thing and it just, yeah. Promo's got to build towards something and it's got to build towards you know, if you're just beat, if you're putting someone down and you're just like, all right, this is the worst, this is the worst person, this is the worst wrestler in the world. And if you beat them, then it doesn't mean anything. But when you, you flip it around and say, you know what, I've climbed up a hill and this is the person at the precipice and you're my biggest challenge and we may have fought and this might be the first time, this might be the last time, this might be the middle time when we fight again. But you're one of the people that I can never get around to. And we're always going to be coming back and forth, and we're going to dance forever in this long walk of life. But you know what? At the end of the day, me beating you means something, and that's going to put a piece in my heart type of thing. Things like that, simple simple, simple nomenclature, simple pieces, again, make me as the person who's watching, as the fan, as the person invested in the television show and the story, make me feel that it's important. Why, yeah. why are you too... Why are you two characters put together? Why are you fighting in this in this match type of thing? thing? Mm. So, to circle back and to bring that point home, John concentrating on that, respouting some of the words that Punk has stated best in the world, but he's not even the best in catering, things like that. Little pieces, pipe bomb mentioning those little pieces, reiterating his words, bam, you know, this title on your shoulder doesn't mean anything. This title on my shoulder doesn't mean anything until I beat you. Made me just feel, okay, John has the investment. He's shining up. Making Punk feel more important than the title that he's carried and that he's craved and that he's wanted and he's defended all this time in the couple months that Punk's been away. So it 
John's short piece made me feel more invested than Punk's iteration and promo so far. Yeah, 100%. And um, to jump off one of the points that he did say about not even the best wrestler catering, like mostly that is to put over the wrestlers in catering, like the ones who don't have the screen time that Punk gets because Punk is the name. Like, the people that John Moxley have fought have not been all top stars. They've not always been Chris Jericho. Like in the interim title uh, defenses, he has faced against some very random different people. You know, he even had title defense on Rampage. Like, what what is what is the difference between these two guys? Is the the fact that in the time that uh, John has not had the title, he has ta- teamed up with. Um, Ryan Danielson, and uh, has you know then hitched on to uh, on to Mister Lord Regal, and they've created the uh, as Zack Saber Junior called it the uh, Blackpool uh, Country Club, um, which is is great. You know, I, I absolutely love this like minded group of individuals who just want to fight, and he that is what he did because that is what his character is. He doesn't need to be mouthy and comedic like he used to be he just needs to be a brawler he just needs to fight um and you know he's putting over the fact that he will fight anyone on any given day whereas you know maybe punk is getting too much of the limelight just because of his name value and uh he doesn't think that he could out wrestle anybody in catering and to be quite honest with you how many people is that true for because as good as Punk was, you know, is he still that good compared to the people that are in catering? The answer might surprise you. Yeah, it's tough. The AW has quite the large roster of very talented folks at various points in their careers and at various experiences. And there are sort of some diamonds in the roughs and there are some, you know, superstars that they have and kind of great people. And it's a combination, that thing of, something that you and I continuously beat into the ground. It's about presentation. And if they're put in spots to succeed, then they can be taken as a credible com- uh, component or a credible character within the television show, within the match. So again, not always going to click with everyone, but if they're presented well and they're put in pieces and situations to succeed, then they have the potential to succeed and potentially maybe get to a point or the level of a of a punk or a Danielson or a Moxley or other people. So No, definitely. Like it is I feel like that's my my biggest takeaway from uh the G one recently is how important presentation is. Um and it's something that I, I keep harping on about. Um like just noticing the differences in presentation um and then obviously the changes in presentation for the for the wwe folks like their presentation has all been changing um but it seems like you know maybe only some of the big names get that presentation change um and uh yeah it's 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 something that i hope we see an evolution to the uh the presentation of some other individuals uh you have seen like the likes of the House of Black have their own entrances, you know, the um the uh TNT champion Mr. Wardlow has his sort of Goldberg esque, you know, that that sort of thing. So like
these little things for other people, other groups are better um, filtered out to the other people in the locker room because not everybody can have a punk entrance. Not everybody can have a standing O for 10 minutes and, you know, have him sit there with a microphone. Um, and I feel like that's sort of John's point that his entrance, yes, while he has a grand entrance as well, um, a lot of punk's entrance is just him standing there waiting for them to stop clapping or waiting for the for a sufficient amount of time. Whereas he comes through the crowd and you know does all that and then that's him ready. That's him ready. Yeah, one agreed. So hopefully we'll get more of that continued for everybody all around and they can work their way up to be big stars again like the aforementioned folks. As we wind down Punk's promo here, uh, Moxley here, back on the mic, claims to be the heart and soul of AEW. Punk says that he will be the dollars and the cents. Moxley claims Punk only came to AEW because he ran out of money. Punk ran out of spirit a long time ago. Finally, Punk says he will soundly defeat John at the pay-per-view, and he's worried Moxley would just bleed all over him here. The ensuing brawl breaks out, and they throw hands until security breaks them up, so... Yeah, we've we've been making fun of a couple of wrestlers in our in our off camera time, and John Moxley's name has come up a couple of times as possibly the Ric Flair Jr. of the uh, of the guys who just walk through the curtain and immediately start bleeding. It's not wrong. <laughs> it was funny, and it was possibly one of the only points of Punk's promo that I've been like, oh yeah, no, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> like, there's no coming back from that one. He's, he's completely right, because somebody just touches you and you explode at the minute, John. Like, what is up with that? Um, yeah, it's... It, it, the, the dollars and the cents, the, you know, nice little bit of wordplay, um, the heart and soul. Nothing about this was, was sort of... Uh, it, was, it was more getting back to the point that they were trying to make. They were they're trying to sell the butts and seats for the fight. Um, as opposed to we're going to try and bring in as many other people and trying to mention everything else. Uh, this was getting down to the point, getting straight to it, and um, finally saying some uh, interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. I like the nice little bow on it. Again, just drive it home, bring home the, the piece. What are we here for? I'm the heart and soul. Um, Punk's going to be claiming to be the money. Okay, the top draw that's going to help get eyes in here, but... At the end of the day, they ended with, cool, you know what, John, I'm just going to, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat the pay-per-view. And then they start throwing hands. So at least the sort of ending of it, again, it sort of got off the rails seemingly a couple times here, but they drove home the point of these two are going to fight. We have differences. You're an interim. I'm the real world champion. Bam. Okay, cool. So at the, at the tail end, they kind of figured it out and, and, Got to that last sort of bullet point. But yeah, I think it's one of those where, to the earlier point, yeah, we have sort of been joking with John about he's been bleeding a lot in almost every match that he's had. And the notion of bleeding in a match or, or getting color is sort of to heighten the mood and to, to ramp up the dramatic nature of the situation for the, for the person that it happens to. So that sort of, I guess still have that mountain to climb to to get the victory and type of thing, and it sort of adds that extra drama. 
but it sort of lessens the impact when either purposely or accidentally we see it continuously, like it loses that dramatic effect. So the uh, diminishing returns as it will. So again, nothing against Mox, but yeah, I think that that sort of, that notion of him, again, on purpose or by accident sort of lessens the mood on that. Yeah, um, the only way I can see this being a little bit different, which I would like to see this happen, uh, actually, because of all this uh, lovely little back and forth that the two have had, is I would like to see no blood from John uh, versus Punk, um, because he has fought so many different people for this interim belt. Like you said, it's to heighten that. Uh, it's to heighten that sort of sense of I have to overcome this. It's it's a challenge. You know, I'm I'm putting my body on the line. I'm doing things, and because of that, I'm I'm sacrificing a piece of myself to get through this fight. It would. It would say an awful lot more that if John was to win this uh, unification match, that he was the one that was never challenged by Punk because he has gone through so many challenges to get to this point and Punk has just coasted and John just puts him in the ground, gets the one, two, three, and rides off and you know not like an easy match or anything but i don't really don't i don't, don't think we need a 20 minute you know absolute uh classic here um which is probably what we'll get because tk is just you know he's he's a mark isn't he um we're not allowed to use that word but you know somebody somebody said it once and i thought it'd be cool to say it um but uh he he will probably want to see punk wrestle and i don't want to see john bleed uh, because I want that little particular story being gone. You just not challenge enough to make me bleed. It would change up the status quo, like you would think, as a big match, kind of big thing. Knowing John, knowing and Punk, there that they would instantly want to get colors. So that would actually be a nice little story beat to not have that. I actually, find that very intriguing and string point that you bring up. But as we see here, there's four. Kayfabe or Shootskis. These guys are passionate about this match, and we've seen further through Dynamite that they ended up uh, throwing some hands and potentially interrupted a Tony Nice match to again have another segment where they were going at it, which now subsequently moved up the match, which we all thought was going to happen at All Out, to this coming week on Dynamite. So, very interesting positioning interesting booking to move up the match from the pay-per-view roughly two weeks or so before that so very or tony nice and his tiny knee or tony nice or tony nice he got some tv time these two big shots take away from him what tony nice should do is come out next week whenever they're having their match and beat punk up because you know mox is coming through the crowd so beat punk up on your way in, or, you know, whatever. I don't care. Tony Nice, come on, man. Get your TV time back. Sacrifice the Punk. Interesting. So that's the match between John and Punk will, will have some interference by Tony Nice, and then giving yeah. them the ability to run it back as a singles match at All Out. Perfect. There we go. That's what it well, is. Well, I mean, put it this way. 
it shouldn't be happening on Dynamite. Not with like, you know, 11 days before the pay-per-view and it's still sat there as going ahead on the pay-per-view. At the time of recording, it is still uh, supposed to be on the pay-per-view as the, the interim title versus the, the, the title holder. So I, I don't see the point in this match. It's for heightening drama. It's for heightening people like us who are going to talk about it, who are going to add more to it. Um, personally, I look at this match and it reeks of a schmoz finish um, or just a schmoz start or middle or end. I don't care what it is, but putting this match on TV for free, TK. But you're a billionaire, my guy. It's confusing in the sense of, again, moving up the main event of your show roughly two weeks, 11 days, whatever it is. So does it just happen there? And then does, does the world champion, whether that's John or Punk, do they not defend? Do they not have a match then at the pay-per-view possibly? Do they just face somebody else type of thing on short build. It's very confusing. Is there a screwy finish, a, a smaz, if you will, which then enables them to run it back, but that would be sort of detrimental because we're getting a rematch basically two weeks after the fact to a match that potentially had a rough finish and not a clean finish. So I, I don't see how this is going to play out. I'll agree with you. It's a rough spot for... Tony Khan, I don't know what the sort of the plan is or kind of what the gauging is, but I feel like, and we chatted a little bit about it before, that this is sort of going to disappoint some fans here. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever, whatever the outcome is. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I think we, we, we talked about it last week that whoever's going to win, um, I'm glad I'm not Tony Khan because, you know, you're going to upset John Namaxi fans or you're going to upset Punk fans. Personally, I don't care about the Punk fans. You can be disappointed all you want. John Moxley should win. CM Punk is, you know, clearly in the the corner of TK, and TK will probably have him win. But that's beside the point. That's my cynical point of view out of the way. My fan point of view is MJF comes back and beats up Punk on Wednesday, gets so, the match thrown out. We do not. I talked to you about this yesterday. We do not have a very many uh, screwy finishes uh, in these kinds of situations. And with the rumors that MJF is coming back, the only way that um, that he can sort of rekindle the fire that uh, has long since gone out from under him, because let's face it, nobody in the world is talking about MJF anymore. For two, three weeks, we were all talking and thinking about him after that promo. Um, and now we're not. And so... These rumors are literally, well, what's he going to do? You know, nobody can tell what Maxwell Jacob Friedman's going to do. So my personal uh, fan uh, head going forward is I want him to take out Tony's guy with the punk. Cost him the, the match, have it thrown out, have it go to the pay-per-view. And then for him without, you know, as the, the referee will be distracted, however, you know, knock down, whatever. And we'll do it again with MJF running in, beating the tar out of Punk, you know, John Moxley crawling over, getting the win. No, he doesn't need it. You know, it's, it's not it's not a case of 
doesn't matter if he needs this thing, but this is a way to bring MJF back in and take Punk away from the title scene. Now, whether or not you agree, personally, I don't care, because not, not just GPT, anyone with this, like, you know, this to me would be bringing in a lot of different sources and making them work in a situation where an awful lot of things are just kind of floating about being aimless and we have two belts with title holders who are very popular and nobody wants to see the other lose. Yeah, tough point regardless. Again, you and I are sort of in agreement that it's going to be a screwy finish and not a clean finish. So to kind of save face and then potentially just have the have the big match, whatever it's going to be at All Out for sure. But the note on MJF, interesting to note how, especially in this day of day and age of, of clicks and likes and retweets, MJF going completely radio silent on all the social medias and all the things as such that always now fans are just because there's no information and there's only, we're making up rumors, we're grasping at straws that aren't there. They're, they're thinking like, Oh, MJF's going to do this or MJF's going to do that because they're he's not fanning the flames or feeding anything that folks are just kind of making up. So it's actually a very smart move on his point. Yeah, there's there's no basis for any of the stuff that's coming around for MJF. There's no confirmation. There's no basis. Uh, it's all rumor. Um, you know, I would love to see MJF back. I was really annoyed that they didn't do more with him after that nuclear heat he had whether or not that was down to um, some people being afraid uh, that people would mistake this as uh, you know as as being real as as him you know coming in and attacking you know the no sale of the match against Wardlow you know as, just came straight in, walked in after being stretchered off. You know, I was a wee bit disappointed myself personally in that. Would have liked to see him play it up because he is a very character-driven person. But he has, for all intents and purposes, disappeared off the face of the planet. And nobody has seen anything to do with MJF. Nobody has heard anything. And he is one of the best in the business at the minute for sticking to what? He is, and he is a hell of a character. I do appreciate his old school notion of keeping the kayfabe brother and sort of sticking to the storyline and, and his character in a sense. So in that aspect, I do appreciate it. And it would make sense that he would sort of distance himself as his we last seen his character being sort of begrudgent. And now he's just like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The one, the one thing that is everybody, uh, everybody is having on their mind is will he turn up in WWE? To that, I say not for another few years because he's got a contract. So this is, you know, the most genuine thing that this could happen because regardless of whether or not you want to call MJF unprofessional or whatever, like no person wants to sit out for two, three years on a contract. They'd rather be released or they'd rather just do the job. Yeah, tough points all around, confusing potential bookings, but we will see themselves play out as to what the situation between CM Punk and John Moxley goes and has going forward. So those were our thoughts on the CM Punk promo. 
and the confrontation with John Moxley and the confusing nature of the build toward the match next week on AW Dynamite. So let us know your thoughts as well down in the comments below or on Twitter or Instagram. Switching gears here on a little bit more refreshing and kind of nicer story beat, a little less heavy, we have the return of Kenny Omega on the main event of AEW Dynamite in the trios match, teaming up once again with the Young Bucks to face off against the team of Andrade, Rouge, and Dragon Lee. So we'll start us off here. Kenny's been gone quite a long time, well over 200 days. How long has it been, Joker? Uh, 277 days since his last match, I think it was announced. 277 days away from our screen, away from our hearts. And just the fact that we've been clamoring or we as fans have been saying, man, he's gonna, this is the week he's going to come back. Or this is the week he's going to come back thing. So the, anticipa the anticipation rather, has been long-winded and growing. So finally, it's just, I'll start us off. It's just good to see him back, man. It's good. Yeah. One of the world's worst kept secrets with uh, the teases, you know, the, the young bucks doing the whole thing with Hangman and going, oh, well, it can't be Hangman. It's going to be Kenny. It's going to be Kenny. And then they have the, the conversation with, uh, I believe it was Matt Jackson on the phone, and then they just start up, they cued the, they cued the Kenny music. And you're just like, that's his music. And then just the, the waiting, the anticipation. And this was the other problem with this show that I personally had. I wasn't paying attention to anything other than this. The the CM Punk stuff, yeah, cool, whatever. As soon as the promo was over, I was done with that segment. Like I was done with those two, and those two could do whatever they wanted. I was just like, get me through this next match. I need to see the segment. Okay, cool, that's done. You know, fast forward three and a half that looked boring, and I went, you know what? I'm just gonna watch this after, and I skipped right to the end. And I was just, because I have that option because I'm watching it the next day. So I skipped right to the end. I was just like, no, need to see this. And then Rodney Cutler hands in that wee piece of, hands Justin Roberts that piece of paper. And no, and you're just like, you hear everybody going, you see, you've seen everybody going, what, what's going on, what's going on? And then, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is about this line. And I said to you before we were starting, um, just about him saying he frequently uses the airport at North Carolina as soon as that happened. Everybody went nuts. And I was just like, I was kind of in my seat going, yes! Finally! And then Kenny pops out and you're just like, so good to see him back. So happy. Uh, this is this is a guy that has presentation out the wazoo. Not only the anticipation has finally ended, but again, you mentioned it before. Nice little story beat for Brand, as we see Justin Roberts start to get out of the ring, Brandon Cutler just very subtly like, whoa, 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 hands him the piece of paper. And then Justin, looking at hard cam, looks down at the paper, looks up, looks down, shocked face, and then proceeds to enunciate and, and sound off on all the accolades type of thing. And then just that once fans started to figure out, and then again when the music hit, and then Kenny showed up, the pop, the uh, the old school proverbial road warrior pop, man, folks, mm. that that venue lost their friggin' minds when Kenny was oh, on the yeah. ramp. 
Oh yeah, there there was a, there was a fan account on Twitter um, that they had been counting down the days since it had been Kenny. So obviously after the match it was a couple of days earlier or something. However long they'd gotten up to, uh, they actually released a video of themselves reacting to the Kenny pop, and they were just sat there on the couch, which just kind of sat there with you know head and hands going. This can't be like you looked at them, you were like, oh, they don't believe this. Like she, she doesn't believe that this is going on, and then she starts to cry. And you're like, this is the effect that really good presentation, that really good wrestlers, that really good individuals have on people. This guy coming back has fans in tears of joy, uh, just to see them back, and for all intents and purposes, see them healthy and see them working. Yeah, definitely for sure. So the reaction, again, mostly positive for. Folks in the arena for folks sort of online and the sort of internet community was just glad to have Kenny back. And you really didn't find folks that were just like kind of bummed about it type of thing. So again, Kenny has his detractors and has his folks that may not be his favorite wrestler, kind of like his style. But that notwithstanding, I think whenever you have the opportunity to have a person just kind of come back from injury and it's played up big, and again, the, being a popular individual, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always great, and you, you just you love to see it. So, and mm. rightly so, Kenny got that nice welcome back from the fans everywhere. So it was just yeah, grand, great to see. I think Kenny's reign as the belt collector, um, you know, with that cleaner persona is, it's honestly some of my favorite stuff that AEW has done since Le Champion uh, with Jericho. Um, obviously, you have the the heel characters, like we said before, the heel characters get to have more fun because they get to play outside of wrestling. Um, and the major thing here was uh, Kenny wasn't anywhere near wrestling. He wasn't even playing outside. You know, he wasn't he wasn't saying anything. So he was genuinely gone. And again, more rumors, more suspicions, more this, more that. And it's only the last week and a half, uh, 10, 12 days, whatever it was, people were like, oh, it's, it's, it's Kenny. No, it's definitely Kenny. And then he pops up and you look at him and you go, damn, it's just good to see you. Because, you know, you're, he is synonymous with AEW. As, as much as the Bucks, Cody, TK, uh, are synonymous with it, like, I feel like an awful lot more people see Kenny as that big guy. Like, regardless of who's at the top, Kenny is a big deal. Um, and it, it has all to do with his reputation, uh, his style of wrestling. And um, it's it's completely different from an awful lot of, of, of other people. And detractor or not, uh, you have to admit he's good for business. Um, because... If you don't think he's good for business, or you know, how how do you not hear the reaction that he got? Yeah, one of the just as Justin Roberts listed the accolades again, being sort of voted wrestler of the year and type of things, and you don't kind of get that without being good, honestly. Depending mm. on you know the 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 folks looking at it, but either way, had just had success again from New Japan, switched gears to the Western market here, gaining prominence with AEW has been a spokesman of sorts, again, has put on phenomenal matches, has been quite the character, 
has held the world championship, if I'm not mistaken. He is the longest reigning world champion yes. that they've had. Been a tag champ. So, I mean, he's he's a big deal, and they presented him as such. And based on his in-ring work as well, too, he, I mean, the guy just hits numerous marks, and that's why you folks like him, and he's presented as such. And that's why he is, again, a big deal. Yeah, and let's not forget, like he came off that run as a heel, like that his his last run was him doing the belt collector, the cleaner. He was a heel, but everybody cheered him. Like you know, he was a heel on the mic because he was like you know collecting all these belts. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just a big deal. You're absolutely nothing to me. You know, you get the odd boo here and there, um, but. I think as with enough a lot of people who come back off injury who come back off time away the crowd can't help but cheer him but he's come back in a sort of uh he's come back in a sort of way that he is hobbled he is injured and he is that little tiny baby bird that you want to that you look at and you go well we've got to nurse you and bring you back to health so we're going to not not take pity but we're going to care for you a little bit more and um i feel like that's it's an awful lot of adding to what we've got with uh with kenny's reception as well yeah for sure so we see him all the way coming out and we notice a little bit different presentation to him he's got a compression shirt on he's got a shoulder brace what looks to be later in the match potentially taped ribs you gotta remember that this guy was just banged up and he had quite, he had problems with his knees that I think he had surgery on. He had a sports hernia that he ended up getting an operation on. He's had problems with his shoulders. If I'm not mistaken, again, he had surgery on difficulties with uh, the vertigo, vertigo and thing. Just the guy was just a mess. But then dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of things, he was just, he was putting on solid matches. So regardless, so the, the nature of now that he's back and we saw this bit of presentation whether he's at 100%, whether that's a work, whether that's a shoot, we kind of don't see. But we got to see flashes of Kenny in this matchup just doing well and kind of doing those things, you know, throwing up a one-wing angel at one point in the match, and the V-trigger, kind of just doing spots and being athletic. So again, for his first match in well over 270 days, it was good to see him back, and I think there, maybe it's a little bit of kayfabe, a little bit of a, of a shoot that he's got some ring rust, so you know may not be as sharp as he maybe once was in his full fledged run. But either way, yeah. what we got to see on Wednesday was just very, very promising and all around exciting to see. Yeah, there was there was definitely notes of. Um... Kenny being protected in the match as well. Um, and the ability to protect him was solely on uh was solely on the young bucks who let's not forget they're they're it's not as if Kenny's doing them a favor here. Uh he's rounding out the numbers, sure, but the young bucks are, you know, they're they're, they're former tag champs, former the first the only two time tag team champions at the minute. Um, you know, so the, these guys are no slouches and they're there to protect their friend. Um, from some of the spots that he was unable to do, his athleticism he got he got blown up really quickly. Uh, even though Kenny is an athletic beast, like you know he is, 
really, really strong. He's really athletic. Uh, he has a lot of high spots. Uh, and I did see a tweet the other day. They, they were asking, uh, kind of hypothetical, if they're going to, if Kenny might possibly work an Okada style of, oh, I don't know if I've got it anymore. Um, you know, on him, on his battles with Okada over the IWGP World Heavyweight title, on just his time in uh, New Japan, like, it, it makes sense that he might bring that in, whether or not he's hurt for real skis or for not. Um, like, him shre- uh, shedding these crutches, as it were, uh, like the the brace, the tape, the compression shirt, uh, coming out with the the jacket, you know, the the presentation, better presentation uh, that he normally has. Um, he even said that uh, in a tweet himself that he's not going to bring the Bucks down. So like this is you know Kenny is Kenny knows he's weak. He knows he's he's showing this weakness. So I do believe. It is him storyline telling us, uh, I'm going to get better over a period of time. And that's really good, but it's also really dangerous. Uh, but you did hear, you know, the, the Invisible Hand, uh, old Baldy McChops himself saying, you know, even Kenny Omega at 30% is better than some of your favorite wrestlers at 100%, which is honestly very true. I would be mad at that notion again, and I hope that Kenny is as close to 100% as possible. Obviously, in the first match or a couple matches, obviously, ring rust does play a factor. Yeah. Once you get more reps, you'll get, you'll get that timing and you get that comfortability and you get that cardio back in. But your point about that sort of Okada, I'm taking a, a sort of slight step back maybe doing some tag team type of thing, changing up the gear. Do I still have it? Kind of questioning myself, little piece that he did in the shades of uh, elements of last year, 2021, um, is I wouldn't be mad at. Because it's actually, it's a very kind of good story of how like the guy in your company or the an important person to your company, to the profession, as a wrestler, you know, you're like, well... The, the story beat of, can I go? Can I still do this? I may have like lost or I might have had a, a piece of, like in this case for Kenny, an injury. Well, am I going to be able to do this at the high level that I want to, that I know that I can, that I used to type of thing? So if it in, is indeed shades or elements of that, I'm totally good with that because then we can finally get sort of the phoenix rising from the ashes and once he feels ready to go, then are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? So we can sort of have that piece. So I'm hoping for that. And again, we'll sort of play our cards close to the vest and see as, as Kenny gets more comfortable, we'll see how it plays out. But I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things that um, it goes to show just how to rebuild a character from the ground up. Like you said, he was the guy. And then now he has to start, not at the bottom, but he has to start in an area where we didn't see him before because he is hobbled, he's injured. So he has to sort of build himself back up. Does he, you know, the, the tweet reeked of uh, of him 
feigning, you know, feigning bravado, like the confidence is to build the confidence back up, is to build the strength, the athleticism uh, all back up. Um, you know, and he has he has some really big tasks to overcome to do this as well. Uh, and those are the things that I'll be looking towards and seeing. Um, how good is this story going to be of, like you said, the Phoenix being reborn? That is Kenny Omega and his rise back to relevancy for all intents and purposes, back to relevancy in the title picture for AEW. I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think it was a smart move to put Kenny in this trios match as his first match back to be partnered with the Young Bucks. You have two folks on your team that can kind of help bear the load and, and kind of thing. Obviously, I, if I'm not mistaken, the referee was Rick Knox, so he's been known to have uh, handled a lot of tag team matches, so he's kind of good with that, very familiar with the Bucks being part of that California scene as well. And there's no slouches as well in the terms of Andrade, Roosh, as well as Dragon Lee. We saw Dragon Lee get a lot of time in the ring and some good time with Kenny as well. But the fact that as opposed to being a sort of one-on-one -on -one contest where it could have showed his maybe ring rust or potentially not fully back cardio or things like that, the fact that we were able to protect him with five other wrestlers and the referee there that can all kind of help navigate and, and kind of stir the ship and, and kind of guide was a really smart move, I think, in my mind. Definitely was. It was definitely a uh, a moment of, well, this guy is, we're going to play up the, the, the injuries. We're going to play it all up. Hopefully, like you said earlier on, he is back as close to 100% as he is going to be surgeries uh and things like that there um having been been successful and we see him just kind of get um uh, through this match like he got through the match wouldn't say there was anything that he was like particularly like oh yeah it was a really really good match i wouldn't say it was any of these guys best match not even not even close really um it was, it was a decent match the end of the night and um it's just one of those things that we will see an evolution to this and we'll see better better segments come out of it you know uh we'll see those big spots uh, as i'm as i as i love to hate if it becomes a spot fest um then you know i'm going to absolutely let you know that it's going to be it's, it's too much of a spot fest and kind of needs to get the heck away from there but you know it's one of those things that i will enjoy seeing him uh, bust out some more athleticism, you know. Uh, see him. I love seeing him just run full pelt and delivering that V trigger. Like it's just so good. Uh, that one winged angel is just one of the moves that is the most protected move. I think it's actually the most protected move in wrestling because no one has kicked out of it. Um, so it's just one of those things that if Kenny hits the one winged angel, you will hear like at full power. Like, you know, not him looking like he's gassed after it. Like, he kind of he kind of was here. Um, like, him just leading up to it. Big, just V-trigger. Straight into that one-winged angel. Just statement win. 
yeah, that'll be that'll be the the mark. One person, one person has only ever kicked out of the One Wing Angel. One person, Koda Abushi. Oh yes, how did I forget about that? I remember. Yes. Nonetheless, very protected move, of course. So, hundred percent. And I'm just on the same page with you. It wasn't the greatest, sharpest, best match from any or all of the combatants, but I believe that the notion of having Kenny back extremely overshadowed the fact that there may have been some rough spots or or things of such. There might have been some ring rust notwithstanding. We're just glad to have him back, and we're looking forward to continuing to have him back and seeing how this trios tournament plays out in the future. Mm, definitely there's there's one match in particular i will really love to see um well two matches technically but uh yeah i'll I'll keep those for whenever they happen uh because i'm i I could be grinning like a cheshire cat next week or i could be super sad so let's just see so we are excited to have kenny back in any capacity we did but it's great to see him Get some, get some reps in and then win the match and see how his subsequent return in upcoming matches plays out. But if you were excited, like we were, to have Kenny back, let us know down in the comments below or on Twitter or Instagram. All right, coming up to Quick Hits. For some of the newer listeners, Quick Hits are a section that we highlight Little aspects that we may not have gotten a chance to cover in the show full-fledged, but we really enjoyed. We sort of had the Pop the Boys segment, which we just wanted to share here because we enjoyed it and we want to share it with you. I'll start us off here. My quick hit comes from this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. After a match between the Gun Club and the Varsity Blondes, Billy Gunn gets in ring and praises his son for their recent hard work. However, we see Stokely Hathaway walking down the ramp and distracts Billy, and then we see Colton and Austin proceed to beat down their father. As we're all upset at the dissolution of the gun club, we see Billy laid out in in the corner here. Just when we think all hope is lost, out comes the acclaimed to run off the gun club. We see Billy sitting in the corner, unsure of the situation. We have Anthony Bowens just holding out two fingers, signaling the scissors. Billy holds up two fingers, cut back to Bowens, screaming, Scissor me, daddy ass! And they proceed to meet in the middle and celebrate, and finally, the reuniting of the ass claimed. And ultimately, we touched on it before, We had a short that was highlighted, but you know what? If you love something, you have to let it go. And if it's meant to be, it comes back to you. And that's what we see with the reuniting of the ass claimed. Yeah, I mean, we we did, like you said, with that that segment a while ago, we highlighted it was uh, a lot of people give us feedback on it saying, you know, that, yeah, it was a very sad moment. Um, legitimately, I was choking back tears while we were doing that. I was just like, just this was just such a bright spot uh, in wrestling. You always need those bright spots um, that are always, you know, super jovial, not always so taking themselves so serious. 
Um, but you, you said earlier, it's like, oh, was we, you know, maybe more in the, 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 the breakup of, of the, the ass boys or the gun clubs. No, 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 there will be no skit. There will be no video. I can guarantee you we will not be mourning the gun club because Colton and Austin can go do one. We got Billy and his boys back together and we got the scissor beat daddy ass. It's like, yes, everybody loves the acclaim. Even Papa Ass, so. Even Papa Ass, yeah. Yeah, so, little tiny segment. Again, it was a post-match, post-match segment. Didn't even last more than three minutes in its entirety, but it was definitely a highlight, was a quick hit, was a Pop the Boy segment for me. The notion of pairing Billy Gunn with the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens Adds to the package, adds to the presentation, adds to just the overall fun nature of it. We saw elements, obviously, of it when the acclaimed were partnered with the gun club as a whole, but we got to see just all around amazing interactions with Billy Gunn and the acclaimed. But having them back, I think, will just have have overall fun, will help them kind of feel a little bit more complete. And then the possibility of the ass boys themselves being teamed or having being led by Stokely Hathaway is a very interesting prospect and kind of gives them a little bit more of a different character and kind of helps them get a little bit more out of the shadow of the elder statements, the elder ass Billy Gunn. So I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to kind of see what happens with both teams. Yeah, it definitely is going to be uh, really fun going forward for both teams. Um, I, I kind of really want to see the result of Stokely's wheeling and dealing and see what's going on here. But uh, no other resolution is better than the reformation of the ass claimed. And today and every day since, you know, the, since that reformation is a good day. 100%. So that was my quick hit for the week. Uh, Joker, what about yourself? Yes, I had uh, a relatively long hit, not a quick hit. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the G1 Climax Finals was this week, and we all know that I have uh, been enjoying the the G1 particularly well for their performances and their presentation of individuals. And um, yeah, the uh, the match between uh, Billy Goat, Will Osprey, and Kazuchika Okada was a banger. Everything I'm about to say is obviously a big spoiler, but if you have 35 minutes, go and watch this match. Just go watch it, because it is amazing. The uh, the sort of storytelling that they put through this match, where the Billy Goat was just trying absolutely everything. He was uh, throwing all his offense at Akata, um, Okada was trying to pop the Rainmaker early, getting blocked by Osprey. Osprey was trying to get the Oz cutter off, getting getting blocked by Okada. You know, back and forth, back and forth, spill to the outside. We get some DDTs. There's almost countouts. You know, there's there's all sorts of uh, nonsense going on. Okada rolls back out, gives him another DDT. There's Oz cutters on the on the hardest part of the ring, as we're made to believe. Um, there was just uh, there was a coast to coast for for uh, Osprey getting straight into the into Okada's head, um, 
and it was Oz Cutter after Oz Cutter, and nothing would put Okada down. So Will Ospreay here showing us his athleticism, his ability, his repertoire of abilities. Um, you know, there was hidden blades in there. There was a moon. There was a moonsault attempts. There was you know all sorts of uh, all sorts of athleticism going on, and we hear from the announcers uh, that obviously the boys in United Empire have been helping Osprey. You know, look at look at the previous people who've beaten Okada, and just about that time we start to see nominal forearm come out from AJ Styles. Then we see a Styles clash, like that came out. And then we see a high fly flow from Tanahashi. And then we see a V-trigger from the one and only Kenny Omega. And then there was the one-winged angel attempt. All of these fail. He attempted the one-winged angel. Okada knew it was coming. He got out of there. He's, he's, he's fought so many times with, with Omega, he knew how to get out of it. So Osprey was like, well, what did I do? He was like a kid caught in the headlights or a deer caught in the headlights. And it was just one of those things he got scared. So he starts throwing the hidden blades again. And then Okada gives this spinning rainmaker, this spinning landslide, just what is going on? And then the end of the match. And Okada gets his hand raised and the Billy Goat has failed. You just look at it and you can't help but feel sorry for the kid. But this is an amazing match. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was just enthralled just listening. Absolutely incredible match. One of my favorite parts of it was the sort of greatest hits of he took note, he did his research, and he said, you know what, all these folks that have gotten a victory on Okada, take a little bit of shades from that, little shots from AJ, little shots from Tanahashi, little shots from Kenny, things like that, but ultimately just wasn't able to seal the deal, so I just really liked that little, that little piece right there, it was phenomenal, no pun intended. No pun intended. It was just one of the things that you look at it and you 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 understand what's going on in the ring. You marry it up with the commentary because they're the ones that are affirming what's going on for you. Like you know, oh, well, that that was definitely a styles clash. It's like yeah, well, you know, AJ beat Okada. You know, there's the high fly flow from Tanahashi. There's the V trick, and he hit point just like. And if if you if you see any of the back and forth between Omega and Osprey, they hate each other. They like the you know well Osprey hates uh, Omega. I don't think Omega really cares either way. I think he just kind of calls him a petulant child. Um, but you just look at it and you go, this was this is the one guy that you know was able to do it consistently. Maybe I'll steal the best moves. I'll steal the most protected move in wrestling. <laughs> And he couldn't do it. Um, it was just so good. Uh, there, there, there was a lot of things about this match that I looked at it and went, I just, yeah, this is the best wrestling match I've watched in a long time. All around good. I'm going to reiterate Joker's point about if you have 
the ability, if you have basically 30, 35 minutes to check it out, is definitely worth it for sure. I ended up watching the whole final of the G1, and it was absolutely amazing. So definitely agree with that. All right. So if you also have some quick hits and you have some things to share with us, definitely let us know down in the comments or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram as well. All right. So that is going to do it for us. That about wraps it up for us. Uh, Joker, how was that for you, man? It was, uh, that was good. Good conversation. Yeah, lots of good conversation, lots of good wrestling this week, which led to that good conversation, so I was super happy. And we got to talk about more of the G1, and I just cannot wait to see an awful lot of more stuff about NJPW. So yeah, I'm super excited, especially with the rumors that there's AEW talent headed to Wrestle Kingdom in the new year, Yeah, which makes me super happy. I'd heard that too, so yeah, like we said, a lot of good, good wrestling, good vibes. All around just good stuff happening this week and a lot of interesting storylines being told, but at the end of the day also just some good wrestling. So it was yeah. uh, it was quite quite the good product to watch this week. And I don't think that's gonna be letting up for the next few weeks. Honestly, knowing what's coming, you know, knowing the next few weeks of programming and what they've got to build towards, I think we've got a good couple of weeks of wrestling going on. Yeah, I do agree with you. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining in with us, and that was uh, that was one heck of a week. So, for TF Joker. One day I will get to say, scissor me, daddy ass. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and being part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.